Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of fours base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. As I count the summers that we have left together as a family, it makes my heart flutter as I think of how time is so fleeting. My wife and I have decided that this summer our family is taking off on a grand cross-country road trip. Some may think we're crazy. Others may just want to follow along on our social channels. And there are those who just make the leap with both feet. The time is now for an adventure this big. We are going to complete a circle around the United States. Departing from the Pacific Northwest, we will point the truck and trailer in the direction of Pennsylvania to visit family. From there, we will head south to Chincoteague, Virginia, and bear witness to the Atlantic Ocean, which will be our turnaround point. From the East Coast, we will head through Asheville, North Carolina, the Great Smoky Mountains, down to Muscle Shoals, then jump onto Route 66, the Mother Road, across the United States to the Grand Canyon, where we will turn north for the final leg of our journey, which will be celebrated our last night on the road at the Gorge Amphitheater on the Columbia River to watch the Chicks live, my wife's favorite band and our children's first real concert. We are definitely setting the bar high. We are going to be going out with a bang, and we may be foolish, but we will make memories that we will all be taking to our graves. As part of this trip with our fifth and third graders, we want to make this trip fun and exciting while also creating an immersive educational experience. Our goal is for them to learn about the United States, the history, the geography, the cultural differences, and to have them experience it all with their five senses. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, A mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. As part of our immersive educational experience goals, we're going to use Audible and podcasts while we're in the car to be listening to relevant content about either where we are going or maybe where we just came from. We're going to listen to America's National Park podcast, the Sea America podcast, the Trail of Tears on This American Life. We found some on the Oklahoma City bombing, and we're still looking for great podcasts on Route 66. So if you have any tips, please uh, ping me or shoot me a DM and uh, send an email. Also, we're, I'm gathering books on Audible, and we have some fun fiction. So, you know, maybe we'll be listening to some Harry Potter in the car. But also, we're going to be listening to books that are relative to our travels as well. So those long days where we're in the car are not just long, boring days in the car. As we get that windshield time, and we're looking out the windshield, and we're looking at the landscapes going by, those are those kind of things that we're thinking about and looking at what kind of books and podcasts will be relevant to our trip. Uh, We do plan to hit some national parks, and so the National Park Junior Ranger Program uh, will definitely be earning patches with our kids to learn about um, various national parks and their environment and ecosystems and conservation efforts, etc. Summer reading. Our kids are fifth and third grade this summer, So, you know, I don't think they get that traditional summer reading assigned to them from their incoming teacher. 
My wife is a former English teacher, so we will find age-appropriate summer reading books, again, that kind of all tie into what they're going to be experiencing on the road and on this trip. For example, um, I have been reading to my daughter Misty of Shinkatig as we kind of are beginning to prepare for this road trip. And that's been a book that she and I have been reading, but it's also getting us excited to go to Shinkatig and to see those wild ponies. Museums, historical sites, and national parks. So we will be hitting the Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, the Grand Canyon in Arizona, the Bryce Canyon in Utah, and then we will be going to the Oklahoma City bombing, the Muscle Shoals Recording Studio, the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, then the fun things like the Bug Farm and Cadillac Ranch outside of Amarillo, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame up in Cleveland. So that's just a couple of the few museums and historical sites and national parks that we're going to see. We also remain open and flexible. So if there are other things, you know, that grab our attention along the way, we'll be sure to stop and see. And then we want to encourage the creative arts within our children. So uh, my youngest, my daughter, loves to journal and do drawings. So I'll probably pick up a journal and some new, you know, um, colored pencils for her to use. My son has expressed an interest in photography, and I am a graduate of the Brooks Institute of Photography, so I have a very well-versed background in photography. So I'll be teaching him about the rules of thirds and how to use a camera and really how to look at light and texture. But also, I think my youngest daughter will also be um, maybe getting into photography as well. We'll see how that goes. My kids are kids. Um, Food is... Still not an adventure for them. We're still into the yellow foods. I mean, they do like fruit. They do like some veggies, but they're children. And so sometimes it is a battle when we talk about food. But I am super hopeful that on this trip, as we go and we're in Memphis and we go and get a rack of ribs, as an example, or we get some Carolina pulled pork barbecue, or we're going to hit the... um the big Texan in Amarillo. I'm not doing the steak challenge. I am not. I repeat, I am not doing the steak challenge. But we're going to go and experience that as we hit all of these places along the way. Chicago, right? We're going to go get some deep dish. We're going to get a Chicago dog. We're going to try some of these other things that I'm really hopeful that my kids will open up their palate and their adventure for food so they can realize that they can try new foods and that food tastes different in different regions because of just cultural and regional differences. And so to get them to experience food is also pretty important. And I remain optimistic that that will happen. I know I've talked about this uh, previously in the past, but one of my absolute favorite books about being on the road, surprisingly, is not On the Road by Jack Kerouac, although that's definitely in my top three. But Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck. And as we segue into this next little bit of a discussion where I'm going to talk about kind of the logistics and how we plan and and look to make arrangements for such a large trip, I, I keep going back to this one paragraph in Travels with Charlie. Once a journey is designed, equipped, and put into process, a new factor enters and takes over, a trip a safari, 
An exploration is an entity different from all journeys. It has personality, temperament, individuality, uniqueness. A journey is not a person in itself. No two are alike. And all plans, safeguards, policing, and coercion are fruitless. We find after years of struggle that we do not take a trip. A trip takes us. We find after years of struggle that we do not take a trip. A trip takes us. Tour masters, schedules, reservations, brass-bound and inevitable, dash themselves to wreckage on the personality of the trip. Only when do the frustrations fall away. In this, a journey is like a marriage. The certain way to be wrong is to think you control it. I feel better now having said this, although only those who have experienced it will understand. I share that quote because this trip this summer will be my seventh time driving coast to coast. I've driven coast to coast in a 1978 Volkswagen camper bus. Athena taught me a lot about uh, life on the road in those larger trips. Every time, every single time I took her across the country, she broke down on me three times. So I knew that about her. And the second and third trips, I planned for that. I didn't get frustrated for that. There was money set aside for her. You know, that was a a learning lesson for me. And when those things happen, to not get frustrated, yes, it sets you back on what you might be going out to experience that day or might make you have to readjust your your plans or your schedule or what you're thinking you were going to want to go see and do in the future. I will share this story. Uh, the first time I drove Athena across the United States, I drove her from Seattle down to New Orleans and back. I was on the road for six or seven weeks. This was my post-university hoorah before kind of going and joining the working world and becoming a working stiff. And uh, some friends and I had just wrapped up witnessing, partying, Fat Tuesday down on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And uh, we got out of town after they shut the street down, found a spot uh, in Natchez, Mississippi State Park, and we went to sleep. The next morning, we woke up, and Athena would not start. So we pulled out our we pulled out the a book that I had that was all about um, Volkswagen and air cooled maintenance, and kind of rolled up our sleeves and grabbed the tools and started trying to figure this out. We tried all sorts of things, and we just could not get the bus to start. We spent eight hours in that park trying. It was now about four or five o'clock, and this is the early days of cell phones when you're paying a lot of money per minute. And one of my buddy's moms gave us a cell phone to use for an emergency. So we called AAA. Well, first we called around to find a mechanic who would work on an air-cooled Volkswagen. We found one, called the mechanic, made the appointment, and then called AAA to give us a tow. The tow truck driver came and took us back to Vidalia, Louisiana. And what was so cool about that is that as we are in the cab with the tow truck driver, he is giving us a history lesson on all of the various plantations that we're driving by, how old they are, all of this information, kind of this regional information that I would not have 
ever received by not being able to have the opportunity to kind of chat with a local. So that was one of the benefits kind of of our breakdown is that we got this really amazing history lesson about Natchez and Vidalia and the Mississippi River right there as we were being towed to get the bus fixed. So I I share that only in the sense to kind of say, hey, look, things happen. Odds are it's going to happen. It will happen. Um, Last summer in our travel trailer, we ended up getting a flat tire with a slow leak. And so at first, you know, I just thought it was a one-time thing. And then it kind of kept happening and it kept filling up the tire, you know, with air. And so finally we, we had to go and get it fixed. And that put us behind schedule if we were stuck in some sort of rigidity about what a schedule needs to look like. So I share this because you need to plan, you know, to get reservations for campgrounds and to figure out how long you want to be on the road for stretches at a time. But you also need to remain flexible and that things are going to happen, things are going to change. You're going to be okay. You'll just need to work through it. But to not get frustrated, that is all part of these kind of trips. Our trip this year, we are going to be on the road for five weeks. Before I even started planning and looking at routes, I needed to have the conversation with my job. I am a remote worker, so I have, a, I have hot spots and technology to allow me to be able to work. But also, when we are doing the drive across country, to try to add days of work into is not fair to my employer, nor is it fair to me, and it's super stressful. So I'm taking you know, PTO vacation time to use for the actual travel across country. When we get to Philadelphia... I am immediately the next day, I'm back at work and I will be working from family's house in Pennsylvania, putting in my 40 hours for the two weeks that I am there. And then same thing on the way back, I'll be taking time off from work to make the drive home happen. How I kind of did our route planning, right, is I just start with Google Maps. I put in my home address. I put in my family's address, my in-laws in Pennsylvania, And it says it's going to be whatever, 42 hours, I think it was, 46 hours, something like that. Um, And then I just kind of started breaking it down and being like, okay, it wants me to go this way. But if I go that route, I'm not going to necessarily see this. And I really would like to see this. So then I kind of just start manipulating the blue line and seeing how it affects the overall route of the trip, time, etc. And then from there... Right, you just drill down. I drill down and be like, okay, day one, I only want to do six hours. So on day one, I'm gonna go from here to here. That's six hours. Where can I kind of sleep, spend the night in this location? How about on the next day? We're gonna go and do this, or we're gonna go see this, or nope, it's just a travel day. So let's do a little pet of the metal and we're gonna go this far. Well, where can I stay there? So I just kind of constantly breaking it down. I do geek out a little bit with a spreadsheet and kind of like day one is going to be this many miles, this many hours, knowing that with an RV and a trailer, you know, it's not the same as going in a car. It's a little bit slower travel. Plus, I stop more frequently to get out, stretch. Kids often need to go to the bathroom, so finding a place to pull over and let them use the restroom in the trailer, etc. 
So that's kind of how I plan the routes, my driving days, and just kind of drilling down to use spots where we're going to camp. As far as camping's concerned, we are staying in RV parks. We are big fans of the KOAs. Anytime I can find a KOA, we will stay at a KOA. This trip too, I'm going to do some boondocking. That's a bit new for me. I've got a trip planned locally here in May that's we're going to and actually um in April that we're going to go boondocking just to get used to how the trailer is different when we are boondocking and what amenities within the trailer we can use, can't use, when do we fire up the generator, how do the batteries work. So we'll do that kind of boondocking. And we are going to do boondocking on this trip across country. One tip I do have, uh, I've read this tip or heard this tip, so I'm just kind of resharing it. But you will want to print out all of your reservations. Um, I usually just keep them in one of those manila envelopes that have a flap with the little clasp and I just keep them in there and just keep them in my truck typically usually under the seat or you know between the seat and the center console but that way in case you get to a campground and cell service is not what you thought it was going to be you have your printed reservations in case you just have it as a backup in case there's any issues when you're trying to check in clothing um, our friends Tracker and Jiggles, you can find them on Instagram, drove across country last summer. And if you go back a few episodes, I interview them and they kind of share their insights about what their trip was like and how they managed and mitigated um, from down to the details of clothing and food to the sites they saw. So it's a good episode. Go back and give that a listen. I don't quite know how we're going to handle clothing. We're taking 10 days to go across. So you know, I don't know if we really have a stop anywhere that's long enough for us to be able to do laundry in a campground one of those days or if we're just going to take 10 days worth of clothes and show up at the in-laws house with a ton of dirty clothes and just start pushing laundry through their house. Either options, we will probably end up with the latter and not worry about doing clothing on the drive across country, but that is always an option. Food plan. As I've mentioned before, I'll mention again, we are a big fan. Typically, we will use Walmarts to do the um, ordering of groceries in advance, finding a location of a Walmart that is going to be along our route. So then kind of while I'm driving, my wife is on the tablet and she is putting together kind of the click list or the grocery list, the pickup list, whatever you want to call it. And ordering groceries, we typically will go four to seven days at a time based on kind of si- the size of a refrigerator, cold drinks, how it's all working. And so we will, you know, we will get food along the route at, you know, at stopped intervals. And again, those are great places to stop, stretch our legs, let the kids, uh, I don't want to say run around in the parking lot, but kind of get out, you know, um, and go do that. So that's kind of how we handle food. We will, you know, stop at rest areas and eat out of the trailer for for lunches and same thing with breakfasts. We'll keep the breakfast kind of simple. Maybe it's just something I just simply fire up on the outdoor stove and do quick thing of eggs and, you know, breakfast burritos and away we go. I could also, you know, fire up my little 22 inch black st- or my 17 inch blackstone and, uh, you know, bacon, eggs, and hash browns all on one griddle and it's done. Family's fed. We'll do that as a food plan. Uh, I I had, you know, mentioned food earlier and food's a big thing for us. And so I like eating regional foods and trying new foods. So we will probably do a few dinners out 
just because I, I like to have that experience of trying different foods. I talked a bit about travel days and how we're going to use Audible and podcasts to entertain and educate while we are in the car. But, you know, right, my kids are going to get tablet time. They're going to be on their Nintendo Switches or they're going to be on their Kindles and they're going to be reading books. We will do stops to stretch legs. We, we're going to have our one-year-old Boston Terrier with us. So Miss Penelope is going to need potty breaks. We're going to, you know, get out and, you know, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll find a rest area and we'll take a little hour lunch. I'll grab bocce out of the trailer and we can play a game of bocce. So we're just kind of throwing in a game around and having a little fun. In the car, we also do play car games. So I, growing up as a kid, used to have and played with my family that car bingo game where you look and you're like, oh, there's the 35 mile an hour road sign. Ooh, there's the train trestle sign. Ooh, there's this. And so we'll play that bingo, and I have that bingo, and we play that in the car. We play the alphabet game where we work together as a family, and we try to look on license plates and signage as we're going down the freeway to find the alphabet in order. So we're all eyes on deck as we're looking for A's and B's and C's and D's and E's and F's and working through to get through the whole alphabet. We'll also play the memory game, the alphabet memory game. You know, I went to the market, and I got an apple. And the next person's like, I went to the market and I got an apple and a banana. And the next person, I went to the market and I got an apple, a banana, and a carrot. And you just go around in a circle through and it kind of works on memory and you get to sometimes say funny things and so we can get laughs out of it. And that also is a fun one that we enjoy doing to help kind of uh, keep the time. You know, sometimes we'll play Would You Rather. So that is kind of the big plan for travel days on how we will kind of work through them and and get that windshield time in. I would also like to talk about kind of the RV and tow vehicle maintenance prep. So I have started my lists, right? I've already kind of summarized our Jayco travel trailer and I've already we already did a shakedown trip, so I've performed a roof inspection and figured out where I need to add a little extra lap sealant on my roof. You know, I need to oil some things. I need to lube the slides. Um, So I have my checklist of to-dos for the RV. We had to rebuild our bed because our bed frame was pretty non-existent. So we had to put together some carpenter skills and build out a bed frame. We ordered a new mattress, which was kind of an upgrade for us. Since we were going to be on the road for this long, we figured sleeping on a a much better mattress will provide better sleep. I'm looking at a Level Pro and using Anderson blocks and putting that together. So if I'm having to constantly be setting up and tearing down a campsite practically every day, getting some of those things to kind of help me level the trailer and make that setup and teardown process a little easier. I'm also researching TPMS systems to use, you know, to put the tire pressure monitoring system on the trailer so I have the Bluetooth in my uh, Ram truck so I can look at that. Also, you know, my tow vehicle, my Ram truck, it's new to me. I, I picked it up in December. So I don't know the last time the transmission fluid was done or the rear differential fluid had been changed. So those are things that I want to do so they're on my maintenance schedule. I can leave on this trip and know, yes, I've got fresh rear differential fluid in. The transmission fluid is completely changed. 
I've done a flush and fill of the radiator, you know, oil changes, gas filters, all of that stuff, tire rotations, all of that stuff will be done. And so I have a list of things I need to do. And then, of course, whew, there's the house, you know, emptying the fridge, cleaning out the fridge, hiring the neighbor kid to mow the lawn while we're gone, setting up a water schedule to water the lawn, kind of all of those things. How am I going to deal with the mail that comes in? What about how am I going to pay my bills when I'm on the road? You know, we all do online banking and that's super easy. And I can do that. I'm not worried about not making my mortgage payment, but trying to figure out what's my utility bill for the month and how well, I'm going to pay that and, you know, this and that. July will be paid before we leave, but I got to figure out August will be due while we're on the road. So those are a lot of things that need to be looked into and researched and figured out. Lastly, it's really hard to talk about this trip and not be able to talk about the current state of fuel prices. I've been reading a lot of stuff on social media about how People are canceling their trips because of the fuel prices. And while the fuel prices are what they are, I'm not going to let the fuel prices stop us from taking this trip. Here on the West Coast, north of Seattle, right now, as of the time of this, diesel is like $5.75 a gallon for diesel. I don't know what it's going to be in the Midwest. I don't know what it's going to be on the East Coast. We've been planning this for almost a year, thinking about this, looking forward to this, talking about it. There's been a lot of family discussions. The kids are really excited, and I can't just pull the cord and be like, we're not going to go. But I'm going to make it work, and we're going to figure it out because I, I don't want the fuel prices to be the stop to this. But on that note, we are really excited about our trip. It's going to be an enjoyable trip. I hope an extremely fun and educational experience for our children. I want them to be able to come back and when they're studying in school and they're learning about things in the future, they're going to remember this trip and have those tactical experiences that will tie into their brain to tie the whole piece of what they're going to be learning in school versus what they experienced this summer all together to make it an amazing trip. Please feel free to follow along. You can find us on Instagram at RV underscore out underscore West. Give us a follow. I'm sure there's going to be stories and reels and photos. We are also on Facebook at rv.out.west, I believe. It's going to be a great trip. So last thing, if you have any tips, suggestions, places to see uh, what we should do, where to eat, we got the road food book that uh, the RV Atlas talks about. So we got the road food book to reference. But if you have any suggestions, please email me at rv.out.west at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. We are still planning. But even like I said, nothing is ever set in stone. We have those things like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I really want to see. So we're going to see that. But if you have suggestions and tips and tricks, please email me or shoot me a DM on Instagram and let me know. I would love to hear from you. It's time for our pit stop. And today we are going to be chatting about the elusive brown trouts, otherwise known as feces, poop or poo, and the accompanying pee and the black tank that holds it all. 
first, we need to clear something up that I feel like all new RV owners learn at some point, myself included. I will condense it down into a simple five-word mantra. Are you ready for this? Black tank sensors are liars. Look, we all know the expression, never trust a fart. So why would you think the black tank sensors are any different? I freaked out and had a sensor tell me it was three quarters full when I knew I had just dumped in five gallons of fresh water in a tank treatment. There was no way it was full. I've also learned that my family can easily go five days with normal use on our tank and I'm still not even 100% sure that it's full. I can say that we've been fortunate enough to not have an RV toilet back up on us either because the tank was so full. The lesson here is you need to learn your tank, your family's usage, and you will just begin to know when it's time to dump your tanks. You can always use a flashlight to look down your toilet too and check the status that way. What I want to share with you is my method for dumping the black tank and for my rinsing process when I have full hookups and a bit of time to do a thorough job of dumping the black tank. First, let's start with the dump when I don't have a lot of time. You know, maybe I'm at a a rest area and there's a lineup of other RVs behind me waiting to do the dump the same way. So once you have hooked up a sewer hose to your RV and connected it to the dump station, here's a tip. Dump just a little bit of gray water first. The reason for this is just to make sure that the fluid will flow and the dump will not back up and create a sewer puddle. I've had that happen and it's pretty shitty, pun intended. By dumping the gray water for a few seconds, you can just ensure that all your connections are sealed. Close the gray tank. Then go ahead and open the black tank and start dumping. Once that's been completed, you can, uh, with your, you know, assuming you've got latex gloves on, you can go through and kind of lift the sewer hose up a little bit to ensure that all of that fluid goes into the dump station. You can then pull the gray tank valve to dump the gray tank and to rinse out the sewer slinky. A lot of these rest areas and dump stations will also have non-potable water at that station. And if available, I typically will rinse out my sewer hose with fresh water before stowing it away. So I'll leave the connection into the dump valve, close the black tank, close the gray tank, unconnect from the RV, the sewer hose from the RV, and then use the fresh water to give a 40-second rinse out on my sewer hose before stowing it all away. Now, when I'm at a campground and I have full hookups and I have a little bit of time with me, I will modify my process slightly to try and get any TP that may have stuck to the tank sensors and alert to false readings. So here's what I do. I will do everything I just discussed process-wise as far as dumping a little bit of gray water to make the make sure that the connection between the RV and the dump station is all connected and there's no leaks, dump the black tank, dump the gray tank, then I leave both tanks open and I have a brass Y adapter that I keep when I'm at campgrounds on the um, water connection. So then I'll run a secondary hose from that brass Y connection to my black tank flush, turn it on and let that go for a good couple of minutes. Again, the gray tank and the black tank, both valves are open. The fresh water is, you know, raining down inside the black tank and cleaning out the black tank, you know, running all of that down and trying to clear up any TP that might be stuck on the sensors or any um, black tank water that is still needing just to be rinsed to give it a really good flush. Then what I'll do after I've done that is I will go ahead and I will close my black tank valve. Water is still running. Black tank valve is closed. I typically will stand by my um, 
RV where the dumps are during this process, probably you'll find me drinking a cup of coffee. And I will let that water run and start filling up the black tank for, you know, a minute or two, maybe three. Just kind of depends on how I'm feeling. And let that water run because what I want to do is I want to fill that black tank up again with a little bit of fresh water. So when I pull the valve, you get that big initial whoosh of um, sewage and, and black tank water going down through the tube. And I will wash, rinse, and repeat that process probably three, four, or five times. And so I will open the valve, let the water run, uh, let it go for a couple of minutes. I'll close the black valve, let the tank fill up again for a few minutes, open it up, get the whoosh of fluid going down, keep it open, let the water rinse, 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 close it, and just kind of do that three to five times. And then I will turn off the water at the water spigot on my brass Y adapter, leave the gray and the black tank valve still open, give it about another minute or so just to make sure that any water that is in there is out, close the gray tank, close the black tank, disconnect everything, and you'll be surprised your tank sensors might actually read empty. So that is my tip on this pit stop to help you manage your black tank and uh, rinsing and dumping. I remember, you know, kind of that first time being a new RVer trying to figure out how this all worked. It really, once you kind of have your own process, it really is not that big of a camp chore. Hopefully you don't get any backups and it's a pretty simple process. I hope this helped. In our next episode in two weeks, I'm going to share our family's favorite things to do, see, and eat in Seattle, as well as places you can camp in the greater Seattle area. If you are planning a trip out west and Seattle is on your list, you will want to give this episode a listen. In the meantime, please be sure to share with your friends and family about this podcast and head over to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon Podcasts, and please leave this show a rating and a review. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way you'll never miss an episode. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me at rv.out.west at gmail.com. Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.